0: Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder trying to get him out of space, oh, oh, slips oh. a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. He'll hit immediately. got the handoff. You know and <laughs> the q Oh, my gosh. Thank you.
1: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio This is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason You can follow me on Twitter, at playlikeajet1 And it's time to get to know your foe, Tennessee Titans edition So for that, we bring in a return guest He came on the show to talk about Arthur Smith Came on the show to talk about Corey Davis And now he's back to preview the Tennessee Titans David Beauclair of Sports Illustrated David, thanks for coming back on the show, sir
0: Always a pleasure, Scott, how you doing today?
1: I wish that I was doing better, but the Jets are driving me crazy right now. They're 0-3. Zach Wilson's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. So I'm hoping that you can help ease my nerves a little bit by telling me that the Tennessee Titans aren't as tough of a matchup as I think they are. And one area where I think people might be overselling the Titans is Ryan Tannehill. Now, he's played very well since getting to the Titans, But you and I were talking before we started recording, and I had said to you, it seemed like Tannehill had gotten off to a slow start, and you said that you think this might be the worst he's been since he's been in Tennessee, which doesn't mean he's playing poorly, but it does mean that he might have taken a little bit of a step back. Enlighten me on that a little bit.
0: Yeah, it, it, it it's interesting. You, you saw it sort of the first day of training camp. He he threw a couple of interceptions that day, and it and it, and it continued. And even if it wasn't interceptions, it was throws where you know he missed guys by such a such a margin that they didn't have any any chance to catch the ball. And and. You know, from the time he took over in Week Seven of 2019 through the end of last season, the the, the one thing was, you know, Ryan Tannehill's decision making was was rock solid always, and and his throws, you know, he, he's he's never going to go down as the most accurate passer in NFL history, but but certainly it seemed like every throw gave the receiver a chance to catch the ball, and uh, and you saw early in training camp that 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 wasn't the case, and that has sort of sort of carried over. He you know he he's he's put up okay numbers. Um, he, he's, he's run the ball sort of effectively picking his spots and, and, and getting first downs and, and those sorts of things. But, uh, but there's, there he, he's, he's thrown some interceptions like Mike Vrabel has been hard on him this week, talking about one of the two he threw against the Colts last Sunday was, uh, how did he say it? He threw it into, uh, threw it into a party or, or something, something like that, you know, just that, that there were Colts all over the place. And it, and it, you know, those are the kinds of decisions that that he just did not make in 2019 and 2020. And for some reason there uh, he, he's making them much more often than, than anyone would expect or anyone with the Titans would be comfortable with right now.
1: You think it has anything to do with Arthur Smith leaving?
0: I, I do. I think uh, you know for that that was that was one thing. If if you go back and look at 2019 and look at the offensive numbers in the first six games of the season when Marcus Mariota was the was the starting quarterback, and, and starting from game seven on uh, when Ryan Tannehill took over, there there's there's a dramatic difference there. And 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 those guys both over the last year and a half had, had sort of talked about it, but I, I don't know that they they even knew how to how to communicate it effectively, but, but you heard it often enough and and reading between the lines, they really, really saw the game the same way and and understood the game the same way and and thought the game the same way, you know, uh, you know, every Friday, every offensive coordinator and his quarterback, they they, uh, they go through the you know the offensive game plan right and they talk about what do you like what do you not like and, and I always got the impression that those conversations between Arthur Smith and Ryan Tannehill were very short because it's like hey I like this 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 and this and the other guy says yep I like those exact things too and and they they just moved on and and uh, uh, you know that Todd Downing is is you know might be a really good offensive coordinator he he's he, he didn't look good against the the cardinals he's he's looked much better the last two weeks calling plays but but i think uh i think it's going to be really hard to replicate the uh the rapport that uh that that Hill had with arthur smith and and sort of the the comfort level there so i i do think i do think there's there there's bound to be a step back there in some way and and maybe that's what we're seeing play like a jet play like a jet
1: with Tannehill struggling and the wide receiver situation, which we'll get to in a little bit, I'd imagine in this game they're going to lean even more heavily on King Henry, who has been just about as dominant as ever this year so far.
0: You know, he's uh, he's remarkable. All the uh, all the analytics, all the stats. You know, it, it, there's there's almost not a number you could point to coming into this year that you that wouldn't say Derrick Henry is due for a regression well here we are at the end of September and he just had the best September of his career in terms of yards and in terms of carries Uh, you know he he leads the league by a wide margin in both of those and and, uh, with the 17 game schedule as a matter of fact he is on pace for exactly 2,000 yards and and as we've seen he you know he's a guy who who gets better and 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 does the the real bulk of his work traditionally in uh, in november and december so there's a uh, you know there there's a real chance right now three games into this thing that, that he could become the the first back to get 2,000 yards in a season twice you know maybe even threaten eric dickerson's record you know, all those things of, of course the, the flip side of that he is he's one high ankle sprain or you know one one torn knee ligament from from that being that but he uh you know, he he's certainly a guy who has who has been durable and and doesn't you know for a guy his size doesn't take a lot of big direct hits. He actually uh, he actually runs away from a lot more tackles than he runs through, which uh, which is, is is really you know as as long as I've been watching him now, it it's still it still sort of doesn't add up in your mind as you watch it.
1: How important to the success of Henry has the Titans' offensive line been? And how do you expect that battle in the trenches to go on Sunday? Because you know that the Jets' defensive line, particularly their interior defensive line, is probably the strongest unit they have. So I would think they're going to put a lot of the chips that they've got on trying to stop Henry. There's going to be a battle there between Quinn and Williams and that group, and Taylor Lewan and the group on the other side on the offensive line for the Titans. How have they performed so far, and how do you expect them to do against the Jets?
0: Yeah, in, in terms of the first part of the question, how important is the line to, to Derrick Henry's success? It, it's critical. If you go back, even to even to the you know his draft year. And, and look at all the draft reports, which I, I did that this summer, sort of as a little little pet project, to see what you know what what people said about Derrick Henry. Because remember, he he lasted through the first round and, and into the second round. Titans had three second round picks that year, and uh, and Henry was actually the third of those three. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I sort of went back and looked at and what was what was sort of the knock against him, or what you know maybe made people hesitant, and uh, and and the the book on him then is was exactly what the book on him now is, which and that is if you can get him, if you can get to him at or behind the line of scrimmage before he gets up to full speed you can really contain him but once he gets a stride or two past the line of scrimmage and is up to speed he he's a whole different animal and a whole different problem for for people on defense so uh, and and you you can see you can you can look at the the very first play of the very first game this season against Arizona. There's a handoff to Henry. It's a three yard loss. The next play was a handoff to Henry and it's a, it's a one yard loss. And, and he, 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 when you get, when you get to him in the backfield, he he does go down remarkably easy. And there's there's any number of examples of this if, if you can find them over the course of his career. You know, they're not going to show up on any of his his highlight reels, obviously, but but once once he gets a couple strides and gets up to speed and, and gets gets past that first level, he, he really he really looks like a different back. He's much harder to bring down. So so you know, the, the offensive linemen don't have to blow open these huge holes for him, but they do have to make their initial block and give him just a little bit of a crease. And, and from there he can do the rest. So, uh, you know, that being said, it's uh, you know, this is a group that has largely been together for two and a half years now um, other than the right tackle, which is, which they keep rolling through people there they're on their third different right tackle in as many years. But uh, the, 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 the issue, the potential problem for this line is, center Ben Jones, left guard Roger Saffold, left tackle Taylor Lewan. They're all 30 or older. They're 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 all sort of dealing with injury issues already this year. I you know I don't think there's you know Taylor Lewan has already missed one game. I don't think there's I don't think there's any way that that these three guys don't each miss some time during the year and and there might be times when two or all three of them are out They're they're just sort of they you know I, I'm I have more if I was the Titans I'd be more concerned about those three guys holding up and making it through a 17 game season right now than I would uh, Derrick Henry even given all the workload he's had the last couple of years
1: David, a case could be made that the Tennessee Titans have the best one-two punch in the league at wide receiver with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. They've accounted for the vast majority of the passing offense, which is not a surprise. However, they're both hurt, and there's a lot of question as to either one of them playing on Sunday against the Jets. Obviously, if either one of them or both can't play, that becomes a huge advantage. For the New York Jets Chester Rogers has been a surprise He's gotten in there a little bit And gotten some production So has Nick Westbrook But if Brown and Jones can't play I would think that this is going to be Even more of a run-heavy offense On Sunday against the Jets Because Jones and Brown Are such prominent pieces of that offense That if they're not there I'm not sure how else you game plan Because again, Rogers and Westbrook Have been a surprise but I don't think they're good enough to do it on their own.
0: Yeah. With, you know, with the, uh, if Brown and Jones both don't play, that's when you bet the under, right. You, you <laughs> automatically go there. Um, you know, we'll, we'll start, we'll start with AJ Brown. You know, this is, he, he's put up some rare numbers. When you talk about, when you talk about the number and the types of guys, who have, who have put up a thousand yards plus receiving in each of their first two seasons, of the NFL, then you throw in the touchdown numbers. I believe it's 20 for uh, AJ Brown coming into this year. Not many guys have done that. And the guys who have done it are guys like, uh, you know, AJ green and, and uh, uh, I can't even think of them now off the top of my head, but it's, but they're all, you know, they're all recognizable names and it's uh Uh, it's it's really good company he's keeping and and he did that last year despite the fact that he was on A.J. Brown was on the injury report every single week of the regular season (laughs) he showed up a couple days before the opener against Denver, I, in fact, I think he wasn't on the first day's injury report. Showed up on the second day, and uh, and with a knee injury, missed week two, and then played the rest of the season. and And at times he was listed on there with a shoulder injury. At times it was a it was an ankle injury. At at times it was ankle and knee. I mean he he dealt with all these things ended up having surgery on both knees it wasn't reconstructive surgery but it was it was a procedure on both knees at the same time after the season and and it you know it it speaks to speaks to sort of his toughness and his willingness to play through things and whatnot now now you fast forward to this year he got off to an amazing start in training camp i mean literally Titans defensive backs couldn't cover him and they were, they were, they could admit as much. They were laughing about it. They're like, this guy, this guy's a joke right now. Like we just can't, just can't do anything with him. And, uh, and less than two weeks into camp, all of a sudden he's, he's missing practices. He's being held out. He, uh, he's been on the injury report every week so far this year. Um, couldn't, uh, couldn't go on Sunday against the, uh, or I guess he, he went we went Sunday against the Colts, but uh, but by the end of the first quarter was out of that game with a hamstring injury. He'd been dealing with uh, with a knee something, and it's almost like at a certain point it feels like somebody from the Titans is going to have to say to him, "We get it. You're a tough guy. You 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 want to give everything you have. You want to try to win. Thank you for that. But but you need to stop." And you need to sit down and take a couple games and get right because I, I think it, at this point it, there's there's almost a sense that he's pushing himself too far and, and too hard. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, uh, we'll see what, what lies ahead for him. With Julio Jones, you're talking about a guy who's 32 years old coming off a, an injury-plagued season where he only, he only played nine games. Um, his first full practice in training camp, he got hurt didn't do anything outside with the team for the next three weeks had had nothing to do with uh, anything in the preseason games and then uh, and then has a terrible terrible opener against uh, against the Cardinals played really well against Seattle in week two and then w- was off to an okay start against the Colts hamstring tightened up on him and and they pulled him from the game in the fourth quarter there so I think I think we've seen probably this season already what the best case scenario is for Julio Jones which is that he's playing every game but he's not going to produce every game he'll have some really good games but but he's not the julio jones that uh, that we all think of when we hear the name julio jones and and to your uh, you know we started this by saying arguably the best wide receiver tandem in the league i don't think that that this is the best wide receiver tandem in the league i think uh i, I think Julio Jones is a little too far on the on the downside of his career at this point for that to be a reality. But he is he certainly is an upgrade. Uh, well, I don't I don't know if he's an upgrade over over what they've had in the past because Corey Davis had a pretty good year last year. And I'm, I'm not sure he'll uh, he'll be able to replicate the numbers Corey Davis had here.
1: A lot of Jets fans happy to hear that you're saying that Corey Davis might actually be better than Julio Jones at this point in time. It's a nice silver lining to what's been a bit of a rough season so far. And a big part of the reason why the season has been so rough is because Zach Wilson has been under pressure big time. In each of the three games Now even more so This past week against Denver And in week one Against the Carolina Panthers But if the Jets are going to be able to deal With the Tennessee Titans Pressuring Zach Wilson on Sunday It's going to be a tough task because they've been really good at getting to the quarterback, especially Harold Landry. Now, in the offseason, the Titans went out and got Bud Dupree, who we know is a sack specialist. So everybody would expect if there was a guy that was really hammering quarterbacks, it would be Dupree. But it's Ben Landry, he had a 37.5% pressure rate on Sunday against Carson Wentz and the Colts. He's the first player in the league this season to have double digit pressures in a single game. Absolutely incredible performance by him. And as I said the Jets have had trouble keeping Zach Wilson upright and being able to keep his jersey clean. Harold Landry is going to do a lot to test them this week and it's a test that I think based on what's happened the first few weeks a lot of Jets fans are very nervous about.
0: Yeah, well it, it and I'll give you another name actually because uh, Bud Dupree is not the only uh not the only outside linebacker the Titans signed from the Steelers this offseason. They also signed Ola Adeniyi and uh, they didn't pay Adeniyi anywhere near the five years, eighty-two point five million they paid Bud Dupree. But but to this point, Adeniyi has had the impact on the pass rush that the, that the Titans wanted Bud Dupree to have. I mean, he he played uh, he played, I believe it was three snaps on defense Sunday against the Colts had a sack and a half and it would have been two and a half sacks had he uh, had, had the last one not been negated by a penalty. And uh, he he had a sack the week before against Seattle in, in very limited playing time. I mean, I mean, literally they signed this guy to be a, a special team, a core special teams player. And, uh, and, and he's, he's gotten spot duty as a pass rusher. And, and now the coaches are all talking about, well, we just have to get this guy on the field more and, uh, and, and, it, and both of Landry's pressures too, I believe, or a couple of Landry's pressures came on, on plays when a Denny was on the opposite side. Like it, Ola has helped him out too. Dupree didn't play against, uh, against Indianapolis on Sunday because he's still, you know, still kind of on the men from reconstructive knee surgery last December in in the first two games when he did play he he certainly doesn't look like Bud Dupree I don't think uh, I don't think Zach Wilson is going to come out of this game seeing Bud Dupree in his in his nightmares we'll put it that way because I I don't think the two are going to get acquainted my guess is that uh, that Dupree will probably sit this one out as well and uh, and they're gonna they're gonna really let a show what he can do maybe as a, uh, as a regular on the defense and, and see. So that's uh, that that's really going to be the guy to watch for, I think for Jets fans this week.
1: Anybody who watched the Titans run to the AFC Championship game two years ago knows the name Rashawn Evans. He was spectacular in that playoff, and he's been really good so far this season, leading the Titans in tackles. And there's all reliable Kevin Byard in the secondary. He's been a stable presence there. And Christian Fulton, who I really like coming out of college, he's played well too. Take us through the rest of this Titans defense and what the Jets have to worry about on Sunday.
0: Yeah, Christian Fulton, the guy you mentioned, is, is uh, he, he's he's been sort of the revelation for this group. And and keep in mind they the Titans completely overhauled the secondary this offseason. They were, they were terrible in pass defense last year. They were terrible on third down. I mean, they gave up, they gave up more than 50% third down conversions. It, it was a, you know, they set a record for futility. The number was like 52.4%. So they, they cut cornerback at Dory Jackson, cut cornerback, Malcolm Butler cut safety, Kenny Vaccaro. And, and that, that all had as much to do with salary cap issues as it did with performance. But they, uh, they, they, they decided that they needed to they needed to really do something different and uh and they 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 had christian fulton their second round pick from 2020 here they signed jack rabbit jenkins you know a guy that that new york fans know well from his time with the giants but Mm -hmm. uh, the idea was they wanted they wanted to play Man-to-man defense. So they, they feel like they have man-to-man cornerbacks. And and Fulton is a guy who in particular has shown he can handle the job. He's the only uh only member of the Titans secondary who has at least one pass defense in each of the three games so far and and is really is really sort of making everybody feel a little more comfortable right now than you know when team, when their opponents are in passing situations than than was the case at, at any point last season. Kevin Byard is, uh, you know, you mentioned is is the the free safety. Although the Titans, they they interchange their safeties quite a bit, but uh, you know, Byers Byard is the only the only Titan with an interception this year, and uh, and a guy who he, you know you, you kind of a couple years ago had seven interceptions, and you thought, okay, he's you know he's he's going to make that jump into the elite range. I, I don't think he's ever going to get there, but he's a really good. Safety, a really good team guy. You know, somebody that, uh, that that's good to, that, That's kind of you know they they just feel comfortable with him. And, and interestingly, it, it's, his partner at safety has been a different guy each game. It was uh, it was third year player Amani Hooker in the opener, and then Hooker got hurt. He's on injured reserve. They had veteran uh, Bradley McDougal, who they brought in late in training camp uh guy you you go you, you know they're well with the jets uh, mm-hmm. from the uh, from the Jamal Adams trade mm-hmm. he started in week 2 against Seattle he didn't uh, apparently that didn't work out so well he got cut they went with uh, they went with Dane Crookshank then a 2018 draft pick last week and uh and they feel like Crookshank maybe is the guy now who can hold it down until hooker gets healthy again so uh that, that that's sort of been an interesting dynamic rolling through those guys and, and if if something happens to crookshank should he get hurt uh, you know the next guy in line is is another guy jets fans should know a little bit about with who is which is Ma, Matthias farley who's mm-hmm. kind of uh, i i assume he's probably wondering when he's going to get his chance since everybody else is uh, seems to be getting theirs and then uh the the other the other name I would I would tell you to watch for another young player a, a 2019 draft pick and in a, a late round pick at that is inside linebacker David Long who uh, you know was a backup the last two years when Jayon Brown got hurt late last season Long stepped in played really well over the last five six games plus uh, plus the playoffs and then uh, Jayon Brown missed uh, missed week I guess missed the last two games actually. And, and, and long has been playing again. And, and it's almost like with Rashawn Evans, David long and, and Jayon Brown, the Titans now have three starters for two spots in the uh, in their inside linebackers there. And, and it'll be Brown Brown looks like he's going to be good to go this week. So it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how the coaches sort of use those three and, and in, in what combinations based on different situations. David,
1: when you said it didn't work out with Bradley McDougal and that he got cut, I said, ah, that's the Bradley McDougal we know here yeah. in New York. I believe the saying that I came up with for him was he came, he saw, he sucked, he got hurt, he left. That's pretty much it. That's how his tenure went here. It sounds like it was much of the same With the Tennessee Titans, David, I want to ask you from both sides of this now, knowing what you know about the Tennessee Titans, you know their strengths, you know their weaknesses. If you were the Jets, how would you go about attacking them both on offense and on defense? And knowing what you know about the Titans, what do you expect them to do both on offense and on defense?
0: Yeah, if I were the Jets, I would be – I would be very aggressive up front. I would I would bring extra extra bodies a to, to try and you know outnumber the offensive line, get to Derrick Henry in the backfield, as I said beforehand, and uh, and see if you can uh, see if you can enforce Tannehill into into some of those bad throws by sort of taking advantage of of that offensive line that that isn't completely settled right now. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think that's probably the best bet if you give uh, if you give Tannehill time to to stand back there and, and feel comfortable. And and particularly, you know, particularly if as we discuss the wide receivers, you know, it's, it's depth guys all day. I, I don't think there's any question that's uh, you know, that's the way to go. That's when you that's when you say 100 percent, Derek Henry, you're not going to beat us. We, you know, somebody else is is going to have to. And if it's and if it's uh, and if you think it can be Nick West, brook akina or or racy mcmath or or jester rogers then then godspeed but uh but that's you know that that's the way it's going to be on uh on defense i would uh i would attack the titans kind of uh i, I i'd throw I'd, I'd go more toward the perimeter i would say and and you know don't don't try to test the inside of the uh of the defensive front they've got you know jeffrey simmons is a guy we haven't talked about but their mm-hmm. 2019 first round draft pick he's uh he, he's a real dynamic player in there and can and can sort of disrupt things on the inside i think i think you're better served sort of running some of the the jet sweeps and and swing passes and and trying to trying to trying to draw the cornerbacks up a little bit because then then you can take some shots uh, you know everybody. Arizona's first play in week one for example DeAndre Hopkins was running all alone in the secondary Seattle had a had a couple guys get open where you know there were there were busts in the secondary if you can if you can get the the the, the secondary because as I discussed you know it's a it's a it's a different group than last year and it hasn't been the same group Each week, week to week. So there's still communication issues that are being worked out there. So I I think if you, uh, you know, the more you can, the more you can sort of uh, make these guys sort of have to think and, and, you know, with your route combinations, maybe some bunch formations, those, those sorts of things, where uh, where guys have to sort out who has who once the ball is snapped. You can uh, you can maybe make some things happen that way. Um, when when the Titans have the ball, I, I do I think you're going to see I think you're going to see a whole lot of Derrick Henry early and often. That you know the the number to sort of watch for is is twelve to to maybe fifteen carries. If he gets that number in the first half chances are it's going to be a long second half for the for the Jets defense because once his once his carries start adding up then you see his yards start to really grow in in the second half traditionally and that's you know that that's what we've seen the last two weeks it was 13 carries in the first half at Seattle it was 15 carries in the first half against the Colts and uh, and he was he was sort of able to to put both of those games away the in in the second half the Titans Titans dominated the fourth quarter really in in both of those contests. And, uh, and, and that, I think, I think that, that has a lot to do with it. And then as, as I mentioned, the, uh, you know, Titans are going to, they're going to line up and they're, they're going to, they're going to play man-to-man defense in terms of pass coverage, most of the days, or most of the day that the one the one thing you can say is under defensive coordinator Shane Bowen right now is they are they are much more aggressive with their blitzing than they were under under Dean Pease and then last year when they they didn't really have anyone with that title there was there was sort of no identity to that defense but Shane Bowen has shown he he will blitz and he will blitz often so uh you know there, there as a, again I, there there are some of those opportunities it's not going to be like they're dropping seven eight guys into coverage all day long so if you can if you can create some communication issues there will be opportunities to take some shots down the field or to or to get some run after the catch if a, if a guys left sort of unattended say running one of those shallow crosses
1: David, how do you expect this one to turn out? And what's your prediction? You don't have to give me an exact score, but give me a range of where you think this is going to land.
0: The Jets are still very much a work in progress. The the Titans sort of they sort of dodged a bullet coming from behind to win in Seattle the way they did. They could have started out 0-2. They didn't. They wanna they 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 want to key division game against the colts on sunday so here they are at two and one in first place in the, the division they have the jets and the jaguars on tap before they they get uh, buffalo and kansas city back to back so they 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 have an opportunity you know everybody talks about you know we're going day to day we're you know one day at a time one opponent at a time but but i have no doubt that that in their quiet time, they're looking at this, saying, "We have to win these two games. We have to get to four and one." And uh, and, and I think uh, I, I think you know this this is not going to be a case where the Titans sort of dial back their playbook and say, "Well, we're not going to show what you you know everything we can do. We're we're going to make it tougher for future opponents to scout us." I, I think they're I think they're gonna I think they're gonna come after the Jets really really hard in this one. Trying, I, I think they're gonna try and get a lead early and I think they can get a lead early and then maybe not, you know, maybe not blow this thing out. So I I would think something in the, in the 24 to seven range, I I think what you're going to see is, is the Titans look to get a lead in the first half and then, uh, and then just sort of really keep the clock moving as much as they can in the second half. And it, and, you know, I, I think they, I think they have the team to do that given, given the state of the, the jets right now.
1: If the Jets score seven points, believe it or not, David, that would be better than their season average so far. So overshooting the target a little bit.
0: Yeah, there's there's been guys running free in that secondary. Some somebody for the Jets is gonna get open. And I think Corey Davis in particular, you know, he, he's gonna have something to prove and, and he's gonna come out very competitive. I it wouldn't surprise me at all if Corey Davis is the is a guy who scores scores for the get you know, gets to the end zone for the Jets this weekend
1: this point i'll take anybody getting into the end zone for the jets (laughs) david beauclair covering the tennessee titans for sports illustrated thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it for everybody that wants to check out your work read even more about the titans ahead of this matchup coming up on sunday how can they follow you on social media and how can they read your work
0: it's uh si.com slash nfl slash titans um and uh yeah i'm on twitter at beauclair sports or all titans si on uh, on Twitter. I appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on, and talk with you as always, Scott.
1: Pleasure as always, sir. Glad to be able to have you on. Hopefully, we have an opportunity to do this again soon. In the meantime, follow David on Twitter and check out his work with Sports Illustrated and check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The video that Luke Grant made on Mike LaFleur has taken off, so if you want to see why a lot of people are complaining, check that video out. He balances the good with the bad So it's not just a hit piece It's a video showing you everything you need to know About what's been going on with the Lafleur offense so far Plus Luke made a great video about how dominant and Williams was on Sunday against the Denver Broncos hopefully we see some of that against the Titans this Sunday so check out those videos and subscribe if you haven't done so already and give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's playlikeajetdigital Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.